0: Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you.
1: We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond.
0: All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 117, and it's titled, How to Fix Your Communication Issues in Relationships. This is going to be a great subject because we talk about communication all the time. It is literally one of the most essential skills that you can have in a relationship. And of course, I would say in life in general, but we'll be getting to that with our special guest that we have today because he's going to hopefully show us some parallels between not only the communication in your relationship, but the rest of your life. So I think this is just such an important topic that it is absolutely worth revisiting again
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to having another opinion. So uh, before we introduce our special guest today, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder, stronger erections, last longer in the bedroom, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. So today we have Brandon Kumarasamy. He is the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel. He started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. He coaches purpose-driven entrepreneurs on how to master their message and share their ideas with the world. So welcome, Brandon.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me, you too.
1: A pleasure.
0: All right, we're just going to dive right in because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about communication and I think there are a lot of people that well one they don't have the skills and two I think sometimes they have the wrong skills so like I really want to dive in there and like dissect it and get down to the nitty-gritty so the first question we have is <laughs> <Let's do
2: it>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you always been good at communicating or is this something that you practiced to get good at
2: uh, that's a great way of starting the conversation you're absolutely right. I sucked for most of my life. That's definitely <laughs> accurate. So, so I'll give you a small context. So I grew up in a city called Montreal, Canada. And for those who don't know, Montreal is one of the few cities in the world where you need to know how to speak multiple languages. So my parents immigrated from Sri Lanka. I was born and raised here, but I didn't know French, where most people were fluent in. So my parents looked at me when I was five and they said, well, buddy, you got to learn the language. So we're going to throw you into a French education system but I didn't know a single word of it. So not only was I using hand sign language to talk to all the other kids who were in, you know, kindergarten or grade one, but when it came to presentations, not only was I uncomfortable with that too, but I had to present in a language I didn't know. So when I was standing up there as a seven-year-old or as a 10-year-old, I look at the class and just go, bonjour, and it wasn't a fun time. So I had a lot of trouble growing up and, you know, making friends with people I didn't understand. And so definitely it was a, it was a challenge for most men. And then afterwards, I worked on it a lot and it became what it is today.
0: Yeah. So, you know, the reason I wanted to ask that question is because I think when it comes to relationship, there are certain skills that people really just take for granted. In other words, they don't practice them. They just go, yeah, I know how to talk. I know what I'm saying. Like, I, you should know what I mean. I'm being clear, right? You know? <laughs> And and I just don't see that as being actually the case. Most people are terrible at communication. It doesn't mean that they can't speak. You know, it doesn't mean that they can't get out a clear sentence. But the actual communication of the ideas, which is the important part, right? There's the words that you say. And then there's, did you convey what you actually wanted to convey? And I think a lot of people kind of take that part for granted. And so I wanted to lead with that question to let people know this is a learned skill. This is something you have to work at. This is something that you have to try to learn, you know, techniques and strategies to really be good. Because most of us really weren't taught how to be good.
1: That's true. Right. You know, I I have the opposite of you. So I grew up speaking French and then I learned how to speak English. And um, so what's fascinating is, you know, you get to really master a language once you're able to express your feelings, ideas beyond just where's the bathroom, basically. And...
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so I think like it's fascinating that it does help being able to speak multiple language to create different pathways in your brain to understand how to communicate differently. Now, our listeners may not all be bilingual because most people in America aren't. And so what um, I'm curious about is really in terms of like... Do you think there is a difference between communicating on your job or like things you do, like for your, like what you get paid for versus in your relationship?
2: Absolutely. And I think that's a beautiful question, Sid. you're right in the sense that communication at a high level seems very simple. We kind of just go, yeah, I know how to talk. But communication in its form, Takes different types of ways depending on what conversation you're having. So, if we're all having dinner together, we're meeting for the first time. That type of way of communicating is going to be different if we've been friends for five years. So, if it's the first dinner, but I'm I'm a bit aggressive, or you know, I'm I'm too direct, you're going to say, "Wow, this guy is like really aggressive." But if we've been friends for five years, you're gonna, you're going to see it as normal behavior. So, even in that small context of the exact same dinner. Just because of the factor of time, the way we interpret the exact same words are completely different. And if we use the job versus the relationship example you just gave, when we're at work, there's a very different set of expectations and rules than in an intimate relationship. Because in a job, you might think to yourself, well, I just want to make sure I don't say anything offensive so I can keep getting promoted. So I'm not actually going to say what I think. Like, if, for example, if, if you're working with someone and that boss comes up to us and says, well, you need to do this, and we think it's a bad idea, we don't care. We just, we're just going to do it, right? <laughs> so, 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 it's not the same uh, lines that you can't really cross. You can't really talk about, well, I guess a lot of the topics you talk about at <laughs> work. <laughs> but I guess the difference in a relationship that I find fascinating, especially in the romantic context, is you're with that person all the time. It's actually the complete opposite. So even the same relationship you would have with a mother or a sister, it's that on steroids. Because you're not just talking to them, you're engaging in other activities with them, from traveling to, you know, what, all the other things. So in that way, radical transparency is almost essential in that type of environment, where you have to pretty much tell everything. Because if you say one thing that's out of context, and you make one mistake, it's going to be... Shown in a completely different light, whereas with your at work or with your intimate family members, there's some things you just don't need to talk about that never come up, so it does never damages the relationship, like your sex life, you don't talk about that to your mother, right? So, So those are the things that come to mind.
0: I love that term, radical transparency. I know you keyed in on it too, because absolutely, we 100% agree with the fact that if you really want to have a successful relationship, you've got to have radical transparency.
1: So a lot of people actually tell, you know, and, and like psychologists or therapists, they say don't ask, don't tell, or don't tell if you're not being asked. And it's some of the advice that they give people about like, well, actually withhold things. And that's something that has been puzzling me for a lot of time, because in our relationship, Kevin and I, we literally Mm. have this total transparency, radical transparency, and honesty. And I do believe that's what makes us so successful at being in love with each other, and I'm curious, Brandon, about your own opinion. Um, like, do you think really you should tell everything, or do you think you should withhold things in an intimate relationship?
2: That's super interesting, you too. So, so let's break this down from kind of more of a context. We kind of understand why that is. So, let's say we're we're going to work with somebody, right? So, let's say I see all of. Let's say we all work in the same company, and we're doing nine to five. Sure, I'm working with you all, but chances are one of us is going to leave the company in two to three years. You know, some of us might get promoted. Some of us might even switch departments. So the incentive system in place tells us, play it safe, be friends, but don't get too intimate with them because you're not going to see them and the risk is too high to tell everything. Right? So, the, so it's not necessarily because the way we're interacting is wrong. It's because the incentive system behind that relationship tells us to do that. You know, if, if I'm only going to see somebody once, you know, it's this whole, uh, this is a good analogy. You know how you always tell strangers everything about your life in the same way you would never say that to your mother? <laughs> Isn't that so, or Why do we do that? Right? We do that because the chances of us meeting them again is almost zero, right? So, if I see someone randomly, I don't know, I'm traveling to Europe and I'm there in France, let's say, for a day and I meet some random stranger. We get very vulnerable and intimate very quickly with that person because we know chances are we'll never see them again, right? Whereas with our mother or father or families, we can't do that. Or it's just certain that we want to, we don't, because if they take it the wrong way, we can't get out of that relationship. But now in the context of intimate relationships, the incentive system is different because now... Since you're going to spend a long time together, assuming you want to be in a long-term monogamous relationship or polyamorous, depending on what the situation is, you probably want to be with them for a long time. And if you want to bear children with them, that's even going to be longer. So, what happens is when you don't share those little crooks or those little things that bother you like, Kevin, why did you put the toothpaste on the left instead of the right? What happens is those things start to accumulate over the span of several months and several years until you explode over something that has nothing to do with what's actually happening. Whereas in a work setting, that would never happen because you don't interact with them enough times anyways. So let's say you're like a year into a relationship and you keep being bothered about the toothpaste, but you never say anything, right? You, you implode over something like they didn't do the dishes and you, you start yelling. You're like, what's happening? Right? Either or of you. I'm not going to name anyone in particular. So, it's, it's, it's understanding the incentive system behind the relationship. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say, we need to be radically transparent in our romantic relationships. I, I would even argue the same thing in our business partnerships, long-term ones, and very, very intimate friendships. So, there's six people in my life that I've known for five years plus. I tell them everything, but I don't say that to everyone else. But I agree. We're on the same page, absolutely.
0: Great. You know, I, I, one of the things that was coming up, we were talking about the difference between a business setting and whether or not you'll ever see those people again. And I totally agree with that. And I, I get that whole dynamic. And I will also say this from my personal experience. So I had a coworker who had the office across from me for many years uh, when I worked in corporate. And uh, it was a woman. And she had, I think, two kids, three kids. I can't remember. She was married to another guy that actually worked in the company. But because our offices were across from each other, we could hear each other's conversations all the time when we're on the phone, right? So we became very friendly. And she actually had a situation where she ended up becoming pregnant for the third or fourth time. And she wasn't particularly happy about it um, because it wasn't Uh planned. And she was actually hoping to um, stop working uh, and have him be the sole a provider so that she could then continue to raise the kids but mm. having another mouth to feed she realized she wasn't going to be able to stop working oh. because they needed the income so anyway we became close we had a, a really deep conversation one day about it like she asked me to come into her office like close the door and just basically coached her on like how to deal with this situation so we came, we became somewhat close and we confided in each other a bit which Was always kind of a no-no for me But anyway, fast forward two years later She ends up becoming my boss Um, Several bosses had left And she had seniority She ends up as the boss of the unit and then a lot of the things that we confided in each other with started getting thrown back at me, and one of which she even wrote in my performance review. So <laughs> Oh wow. Sorry be to hear that, Kevin. Careful what yeah. you say to people that you work with. <laughs>
2: oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah.
0: Interesting wow. situation. Anyway,
1: you know, I was reading something this weekend around and it's not exactly what we are uh, talking about with communication, but I want to bring this up around people cheating that an affair starts way before the moment you actually share the kiss or the the sex or whatever happens in there. And that person was talking about and I really don't remember the name of the, the therapist who, who brought this together, but she was talking about how your relationship has doors and windows. And that the affair starts the moment that you're willing to open a door and a window to another person. And in doing so, you often create a wall between your partner and the re- current relationship um, and that new friendship you're creating. And for her, she said that's when the affair starts, is when you start to share intimacy with somebody in ways that you're no longer doing with your partner. So in what you're bringing in terms of communication, it's actually essential to being able to have this radical transparency. And even, and that's what we do. If we notice we haven't had enough sex, we bring it up. We don't just wait. If somebody is like, something is happening, we name the elephant in the room. We don't just pretend it doesn't happen. And I believe that's really what you're talking about, Brandon, in terms of like bringing those things up. And even if it's futile and it's like that little like um, toothpaste example, that you gave. It's enough that it should be mentioned or finding a solution and bringing this up. Otherwise, you are really going to create a problem down the road.
2: Right. And just to build on that was amazing. I love that interjection, Celine. And one thing I would love to talk about on that note is this idea of fighting over the small things helps you as a couple or in any relationship, but in this context of this podcast, when you fight over the big things. So if you go back to Kevin's example with the, the wife who's pregnant with the the fourth kid with the, the the husband, the issue is now there's so many small things now that she doesn't feel comfortable just going up to him and saying, Hey, I I really want to be at home all the time. Like it's, it seems like it sounds mind boggling to me that that conversation was not even had like five years ago (laughs) before they even got married. Hey, by the way, sweetie, Let's forget the toothpaste like do you actually want to work for the rest of your life? like it's that's crazy but what this happens back to the toothpaste example is when you're practicing a small thing so let's say like you know kevin celine let's say uh, you know kevin forgets the toothpaste let's blame it on the guy all the time right? <laughs> and then and then you go up to kevin you're not going to be frustrated you're just going to say hey sweetie could you just move the toothpaste and if you go yes sure But when there's something big, like let's say you want to stay home, let's say same situation, you won't go up to him and go like, hey, this is what I'm feeling you're yelling at him. You're just like, oh, no, but Kevin handled the toothpaste just fine. So I'm just going to talk to him. And it's going to be much easier to navigate that conversation. But if you never had the toothpaste conversation, you never argued over anything over six months. There was no conflict resolution at all. You both won't know how to handle the situation. And when you talk about the big things, things explode really quickly.
0: Yeah, that's a, that is a great point to bring up, which is if you're not communicating about the little things on a regular basis, you're never going to be able to truly communicate about the big things. That That is huge. That I really hope people listening kind of take that bit home with them because that really is so true.
1: So if we want to bring it back to how to fix the issues in communication in, in your relationships, does it mean that they have to start with the little thing if they waited too long, right? And now it's like there's a lot of things that have been piled up and there's that resentment. Um, like, what do they do, really?
2: Right. That's a great question. So now we're, in, we're in a hell of a tangle now. How are we supposed to <laughs> unravel all of this? So there's a couple of things. And, and I'll use the I'll use relationship with my sister as an example. So, so we haven't argued in 12 years, as of this recording. 12 years, we've never yelled at each other. Why is that? Because whenever there's a small thing, we always bring it up, we, we nip it right away, and then we just have dance parties at our home, and that's it. <laughs> like Life is easy. So how do we bring that type of relationship into the way that we interact with each other romantically? So there's a couple of things. The first thing, though, I'll say is if you're listening to this podcast right now, I give you the role of being that leader. Because one person in the relationship needs to take leadership, and if you're the person listening, you need to be doing that, or else nothing is going to get done. So, what does being the leader mean? It doesn't mean being an alpha or being a beta or any of that things. It means taking the first step to understanding the other person. So, instead of waiting for the other person, you would sit down and start having a conversation with them. So, what does that mean? A couple of things, once again. So, one, I would start with mirroring your energy effectively. So when we're having that toothpaste conversation, if I tell you that there's something wrong with the toothpaste, notice how I'm saying the same thing, but it doesn't come off really well. Or instead if I said, hey, you know, this toothpaste, I know it's not a big deal or anything, but I just don't really like that it's on the left. Do you mind moving on the right? Notice how my vocal tones change completely. This is a technique speakers use to mirror the energy of the other person. I'll give you another example so it's more concrete. Whenever on a podcast, right, if the host starts the show and goes, Brendan, we're so excited to have you here. Man, this is going to be great. I mirror the energy. I go, man, this is amazing. I'm so great to be here. But the opposite is also true. Hey, Brendan, Kevin, Celine here. How are you? You know, it's very, it's very like, you know, soft. So... I mirror that same energy. Whereas if I started really loud, you'd be like, whoa, (laughs) you would still like me because you're like relationship experts. But it would be much harder for you to build a rapport with me. So my advice is start with that. Start by mirroring the other person. If your partner is an introvert, be a lot more, you know, lower your vocal tones a bit more. The other thing that I would say is ask more open-ended questions rather than close-ended ones. Because the only way to build trust really quickly with somebody and understand what the other person is saying is by understanding the full thought process. If I look at both of you and I just go, do you like oranges? You can either answer yes or no. But if I instead ask, what is it about oranges that fascinates you? You're going to add a completely new layer to the conversation that didn't exist before. So you as the leader who's listening to this podcast, I encourage you to ask more open-ended questions about your partner, not just about the issues, but about the relationship in general.
1: So how do you deal with one of the person, let's say you show up and you're the leader here, but your partner is really upset. So you're not going to come to them mirroring that energy because you don't want to be like, They are upset and I'm going to show being upset because it's really going to make a clusterfuck too, right?
2: Right. (laughs) That's absolutely true. I I think I might have rephrased that. Let me rephrase. So so what I mean by that is mirroring the energy of who they authentically are most of the time. Mm -hmm. So let's say outside of, I don't know, outside of that specific moment that you outlined, they're generally very calm people let's say someone who's very introverted, man or woman. That's that's what I meant by marriage. But you're absolutely right. Uh, in diffusing conversations, you definitely want to do the opposite. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I thought it was an important point because I do see a lot of people falling for that. So Kevin and I have been together for just about five years and we also never have had a fight. Like We don't fight, but we talk about things. And it's not like we don't disagree on things, but we're very polite with things where we're like, okay, well, this is my opinion. And the thing is, That you have to remember just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean you have to be the same on everything. And just because you view something differently doesn't mean that you can't have love. I mean, you can hold an opinion and the other person can hold a different opinion, and you can also learn from the other person's perspective. And I think that was one of the biggest shifts for me that worked where I stopped seeing Kevin as being the person who always wanted to do something that was the opposite of me. I mean, luckily we do things very similarly. But I started to view his suggestions as something interesting that would be worthwhile because his life is going well. He's an intelligent being and he's smart. So maybe he's thinking about something that I haven't yet thought of and maybe it could make my life easier. And I've noticed over the years, I really stopped fighting you. Like not (laughs) that I was fighting, but sometimes I was resisting a little bit. Resisting is a better word. Yes. And now I literally go like, yeah, you're pretty much always right. So I'm just going to do as you say.
0: Well, you know what I love about that is that, um, and this is just partly my personality, but um, because I'm I'm relatively intellectual, I think about everything. Like I can't even stop thinking about (laughs) stuff, you know. So if I'm suggesting something to you, it's already because in my mind I've worked out 35 scenarios for how that could work. It doesn't mean that I'm always going to be right, but it means that I've given it some significant thought. And one of the things that I love is that you you have learned to appreciate that I've given it thought and you're willing to give it some thought to see, am I right or am I just full of shit? So <laughs> I appreciate that. So I want to go... There's, there's one more thing I really want to talk about um, as we're kind of getting long-ish in the podcast, which yeah. is um, a, a problem that I have seen a lot, not only in my own relationships, but in the outside world. And I was hoping that you could maybe talk a little bit about it. And what it is is... You have two people who are having a discussion and they're talking about the same thing, or so they think, but they haven't actually defined what those things are. And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. So um, I uh, did some NLP training a few years back and my NLP teacher was telling a story about how he was actually called into this group of like generals and high level people in the government because they were having this conflict that they couldn't resolve And it was all around what a particular military strategy would be. And so he's listening to this general and that general and all these big egos in the room talking about stuff. And he's not really totally understanding exactly what the disagreement here is. So he decided to ask some clarifying questions. He said, okay, hold on a minute. He asked the one general, what is your definition of the word peace? And that general says, well, no more war and we pull out and there's no bombing. Okay, all right, great. Then you ask the other guy, what is your definition of peace? And the other guy says, Well, we bomb them into the third world, of course <laughs> right? And so you could see the reason why they could they both were trying to achieve peace, but they both had two completely definitions of what peace actually is. And so my question to you is, you know, how how do you how do you figure that out? Like, if you're having a conversation with someone, how do you figure out that, it, and then how do you solve it?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I love the story by the way. It's very different definitions of peace. <laughs> so, so the way that I that I see this in, in romantic relationships specifically is this idea of defining the right language that is used a lot and that causes a lot of tension. So, I'll give you an example with uh, Tom Billy's relationship with his wife Lisa Billy. So, they have this word that is used a lot in relationships called important. Hey, Kevin, this is important, right? Or, hey, Celia, this is important, right? So that word in particular means very different things to very different people. So, like, my interpretation of important is I need to do it, but I don't need to do it now. Like, I can do it, like, next week. It's going to be on my list of things to do. Whereas for somebody else, let's say, I don't know.
1: My definition is, like, it has to happen now.
2: There you go. So we we, are, we already hate each other. There you go. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> that's just that's just a joke. That was just kidding. Okay. But so what's, so just from that one interaction, me and Celine just had, just in that microsecond, we realized that that's one of many words that we're going to disagree with. In the same way, yourself, Kevin, and Celine have probably had that conversation over what seventy-five different words or something. So so in my opinion, I think what, how you can figure out which words to work on. Is you, as you have more, this is something we didn't talk about, that we should, that you probably have talked about a lot, is mandatory is a strong word, have weekly, like just feedback sessions together, minimum monthly, but ideally weekly, where you just kind of go over the things that, that didn't, aren't working right now, or that are working, of course, celebrating the small things as well. So then when you can focus on, okay, let's understand this together. Why isn't this working? And then you'll figure out those words. So important is one of them or urgent. So for me, urgent means right now, right? That's like, Oh, I need to do that right now. So, Oh, maybe we need to change that word. Another thing that I, that I can recommend is uh, another thing that they use as well is if, if those conversations get out of control and they will at the beginning, cause you're kind of figuring out how to mesh together, you can use different techniques. So what Tom uses, he has the coin, Whenever there's like a a fight between two people and it's getting out of control, they give each other the coin to step out of a fight right? So, that, so they can keep the conversation going and one of them can take a timeout. But the idea is slowly over time, as you learn each other's moods and you ask more and more open-ended conversations, obviously it's not an overnight process, you really start to get a feel for how the other person works and what words to use and not use or properly define with that individual. But I think the key is really acknowledging that it's a difficult process. And the other part that's also important is to focus on the commonalities first to develop trust so i'll give an example in in politics actually since we're all talking talk about anything here if we're let's say we're democrats okay, in the states we'll use this as an example are republicans necessarily bad people right if we think about it in a general scope not really i mean they have families they have passions they like tennis as much as we do they probably listen to podcasts too same thing if you're a republican are all democrats bad people Probably not, right? <laughs> they have the same families. They're still watching Netflix with their, with their family on the weekend. So it's by having those commonalities and making those links first that reduces the ego and the tension in the room that then allows us to open up about those little things that we think is stupid, but when in reality is absolutely essential.
1: Oh, this is amazing. So there's a few things that I want to come back to. But before that, we like to invite our listeners. Um, if you are a committed couple who is stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to, instead of communicating the way you're supposed to also, and you're tired of having mechanical sex that likes spontaneity and fun, and you don't want to live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join our highly sexed power couple platinum program. So if you you give us 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. So you can find more about our program at seleneremy.com forward slash passion. Okay, so you've shared so much there, Brandon, and I'm like, I feel like we need to come back to the weekly connection around the communication at least or at least monthly because how many couples really take the time and I was curious like we had a question where we're going to ask you what's the number one mistake people make in their communication and I kind of feel like the fact that they don't take the time to talk about it both about the celebration and the things that are in the way is probably one of the biggest mistake but I'm curious about your opinion like what's the biggest mistake you see people do in their communication
2: Hmm. This, this is going to be subjective because there's a lot to pick from, of course, but if, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, but I, if I had to pick one and, and make that the focal point, it's probably a lack of curiosity. Ooh. And the reason why I say that is because let's say once again, it's, uh, I'm always trying to use these, uh, let's say me and Julie are in a relationship. Okay. And then we meet, we, you know, we both find each other attractive. We start having sex. Then we get into a committed relationship. But I'm not actually asking Julia any questions about her life. Like, what does your family do? What do you enjoy doing? Like, what passions? Obviously, I would do that, but let's say I don't in this context. Because of my lack of curiosity in the other person, when big issues come up in a relationship, I'm not curious enough to hear her point of view because those things aren't exciting. Those things aren't fun. I don't care about the dishes. And that's what leads to the bigger problems. Whereas I think if you're always asking why in a very nice way, just to understand the other person, that other person's barriers go down really quickly. So, for example, when I meet somebody new, I always go, oh, that's, a, you know, I love the work that you two are doing, Celia and Kevin. Tell me more about that. How, how has this program been going for you? What is the What are the moments in your life where you made the decision to say... This is exactly what I want to do with my life. And what is it that you like about working with each other? What's one quote? Those how I'm asking so many questions. And both of you like me more for it. They're like, wow, Brennan's so good at asking me questions. <laughs> I've always wanted I've always wanted to tell somebody the number one thing I loved about Kevin or Kevin vice versa with Sylvain, right? But nobody asks those questions. So you're like me more, right? You're like, wow, look at this guy. He's like so, he's so in line. He's so in sync with his energy, right? So I think the number one mistake is lack of curiosity. And I think back to the mechanical versions of relationships that you alluded to, Celine. I think that's what happens as time goes on in a relationship is we transition from the excitement, the what do you love to do? Do you want to go clubbing today? You want to go do something fun to, did you do the dishes today? Did you like get the garbage out? And that spark starts to fade away.
1: I love this. I never made that connection about the curiosity, but I am very curious and so is Kevin. And one of the things that I love is really in our date night, and we've talked about this in other episodes, we often do like questions and I will ask him things like, what are you most proud of that you've achieved in your life? Or like, and even though I know a lot of the answer, or I think I know, he still surprises me. And that's one of the things that I love most is that in our relationship, while we have a deep understanding of who each other is, we still leave room and space for growth and change. So I don't have him so much boxed into what Kevin's definition is. And I'm always curious as per... Are you feeling differently today versus yesterday or an hour ago? And I, I can see why this curiosity really creates that deeper connection and keeps that passion alive or what we call the constant state of arousal. Because again, it does leave, like, we feel like we're still in this, like, newness and excitement, like where we were at the beginning of our relationship.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's powerful. And I completely agree. Thanks for sharing that. So...
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally deviate from the questions that it. we Go have here. <laughs> we have a whole bunch more questions. We are running out of time. But there was one thing that just popped into my head that I realized that we hadn't talked about. So we're talking a lot about communication. But the flip side of communicating is listening. And and one of the things, because what this came into my mind when you were talking about the biggest mistake that you see, and I was thinking, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I get that, and I see that, and it isn't actually the first one that I would have thought of had you asked me the same question. So I thought that was really cool, and then that just made me think about listening and how important that is, because you you're going to ask people questions, but if you're not listening to the answers. So my question to you would be, you've given us tons of great information about how to communicate. And I was just wondering if you had anything to share with the audience about the sort of flip side, which is listening, any advice for people when they're on the other end?
2: Absolutely. And I think that's a great segue. And totally not unrelated. That's totally works without the flow that we're going and sort of put the. So once again, I'm sure you've already said that in your podcast, but it's bears repeating. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> we want to listen twice as much as we speak. But here's the the punchline. Not many people know how to listen properly. It's not really their fault. And the reason is because most of the conversations we have, or we listen most of the time, is when we're talking or listening to other human beings. So, I'll give an example. Let's say you two are having a conversation and Celine is giving her perspective on something. Since Kevin's super intellectual, you know, he wants to get everything right. He's thinking of 36 different scenarios. Even if he doesn't want to, even if he doesn't want to, and he's trying really hard, he's the superstar, you know, superstar boyfriend or partner, however you define it as, he, half of his brain is working on that wheel. He's say, like, how do I reply to sit-in? How do I reply to sit-in? And that's why we only get incremental gains in listening. So let me tell you the secret and how I got better at listening. I listen to conversations that already happened in the past. This podcast is a good example. of this so let's say somebody's listening to our conversation right now. Even if they wanted to respond, they couldn't because the conversation is over. So, this forces the individual who's listening to only take notes and listen all the time. So, what I used to do, and I still do today, I listen between 8 and 10 hours of podcasts a week, right? So, I'm forced to just listen and take notes. I can't reply. There's nobody to talk to. And I did that over years. So that's how I was able to get better with listening. So I recommend that for for a lot of people. Don't just listen to the podcast. Take notes, reflect on it. And then you'll bring that curiosity and you'll bring that ability that you have as a listener to any of the relationships that you have in your life.
0: Yeah, and I highly encourage you to spend hours listening to the Love Lab.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) okay so brandon we are getting close to our end here and we always have our favorite question and this is why i'm going for it because it's the juicy one and you're not expecting it Uh tell us all (laughs) what is your best sexual talent
2: oh okay uh (laughs) that is not what i was you know you know my best sexual talent is curiosity (laughs) if i'm being honest Uh and the reason i say that I think, I think the reason why the opposite sex is, I guess, attracted to me is because I always ask them questions that not many guys ask them. So let's say, for example, I was talking to, to a woman who used to do beauty pageants and I just looked at her and I was like, what's your definition of beauty, beauty and how has it changed before you started competing in beauty pageants and then after? And she just looked at me and she was like, whoa who is this guy (laughs) (laughs) so i would say curiosity that's my way of kind of dodging but it's also very true
1: (laughs) so does it mean that when you're in the bedroom you're also very curious show me your most favorite erogenous zone how do you like your clitoris (laughs) strokes? show me everything about your vagina right now
2: I mean, you know, things happen for
1: sure. Let's just say,
2: let's just say, uh, curiosity goes a long way. How about that?
1: <laughs>
0: absolutely.
1: <laughs> Did we get you to blush a little bit, Brandon? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is this is a fascinating conversation, and mm-hmm. and I honestly wish we had more time because there's so many more things that we could talk about when it comes to communication. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, we skipped a third of the questions that we had written down because the conversation was so good. Um, I would then recommend if you still have questions to find somebody like Brendan Mm -hmm. and work with him because I'm telling you, we just scratched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what you could possibly learn to get better at communicating. So Brendan, maybe you could tell the audience how they could find you and get more of you.
2: Absolutely. So so for those of you who want to check out my, my YouTube videos on public speaking, that's Master Talk in one word. And if you wanna send me um, you know a message or a comment and get in touch with me personally, Instagram's the best way of doing that. My handle is MasterYourTalk. Talk.
1: All right. And we'll put all the links in the descriptions below. Uh, But make sure you go check him out. He's got a lot of great wisdom to share. And just this podcast alone had so many gems here. Make sure you listen to it again and again and ponder it and then take action. Because it's one thing to listen and understand things in your head. But taking action is what separates you from average to superhero. That's
0: right. And remember, Brendan said take notes while you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brendan, thank you so much for coming on the Love Lab podcast. Thanks so much. You too. Such a pleasure. All right. That's all the time we have for this episode and we will see you next week.